1: focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the Makers of Minnesota. Hi,
0: this is Stephanie Hansen, and you're listening to the Makers of Minnesota. This is podcast number 40. Wow, 40 is awesome. Thank you for everyone that has listened to the podcast I appreciate the Twitter messages I got over the weekend. Hey, listening to this podcast, it's so great. Thank you. I really appreciate it. If you do like the podcast and you can give it a rating, that helps it be seen by more people. So if you're listening, if you wouldn't mind doing that, that would be awesome. You can always find us on any of your favorite podcast channels, Podcast One, obviously, also, um, you can find us on MyTalk1071, One, which is my weekend job, and they have all the podcasts that the MyTalk hosts do there. So thank you for listening. In addition, we do have a Facebook page, Makers of MN. We have a Twitter account, and we have an Instagram account. So if you see something that you like or feel like we need to know about a maker, please feel free to give us a referral. Um, my guest today is a referral, actually, from a friend of mine named Sarah Collins, who produces the Stone Arch Festival of the Arts. And She said, hey, have you ever interviewed Adam Terman? He is the guy that does the murals. in town." I'm like, of course I know who that is. He's done such beautiful work. And here you are today. Welcome well, to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. It is uh, a ab- pleasure. Well, no, it's a pleasure for me. So I appreciate it. Thanks okay, for asking.
0: So artists, and take this the right way, no, I'll,
1: yeah. artists
0: can either be like really gregarious and outspoken or
1: super socially awkward
0: and introverted and terrified <laughs> of talking so totally. I can already tell you're the former right you're not gonna be shy right i'm 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 cool you know I, I love that I'll, I'll talk to you does anybody so when I talk to you and this might be a blessing or a curse but I think of you as like the Minnesota artist well thank you does that feel like something that mimics who you think you are
1: I think uh how, do I, how do I go about that, I've been I've been told that that's how people feel about me before, uh-huh. and people tell me that often, and I love that. I love the fact that that uh, you know I am their what they consider to be their Minnesota artist. What's interesting for me is that I view myself as well. There's many other artists who I think are just amazing, and they do a lot of Minnesota centric work as well. Sure, and so. Sometimes I have I I just have a hard time considering myself to be that guy. Yeah, I guess. But um, I don't know. There's so many other great artists in Minnesota, so I don't really like to take all the credit. But when people want to give it to me, I guess I'll I'll, ab- I'll absorb that. I'll, I'll be right. a sponge for that in that moment.
0: So you are, is it, I would describe you as a muralist, as an illustrator, uh, is graphic design appropriate as well?
1: Yeah, you got it. You nailed it. I mean, really what I am, and I I used to call myself this, is this is like when I would get introduced somewhere, I'd say that I'm an illustrator. And then, but now I'm really starting to consider myself to be more of an artist. For me, that's really hard because I'm trained as a graphic designer. So I always attack every project that I get and sort of a graphic design you know mentality. I always, I need I I need someone to give me direction to do what I do. Yep. I really like limitations. I really like to have a reason to make the art that that I make. Yep. Um so so to back up to answer your question uh, like a second time, um I'm an illustrator aka artist, muralist and I'm also a a printmaker. So I screen print as well.
0: So let's talk about when you got your first commission. Do you remember it? Mm.
1: Okay. Um, I guess we're going back way far. Well, if you want to.
0: let's. So, were you an artist in high school? Yeah. And then did you go to school? Did you get a fine arts degree and do yeah. that graphic design?
1: So, really, it started for me <clears throat> in middle school. And middle school was when. And this is a story I've told whenever I do a presentation or something. It's just kind of like my founding story. And sure. that's what I consider to be sort of the Let's catalyst. let your founding story. Right, right, right. So um, I, in, in ninth grade, the, there was like a contest. And the kids got to submit their work to have their work put onto a T-shirt that the kids would then wear, um, you know, for the next year at school. Okay. You know, so this, this thing. So... I won the little contest thing about like this, and the theme was Hollywood. You know, so I drew these really crude pictures of you know R2D2 and Charlie Chaplin and Marilyn Monroe and stuff like that. So I I won the T-shirt design, but the the thing for me that was the coolest was that the next year, seeing these kids actually wear my design on a shirt and multiple kids wearing it, like half the school was wearing the shirts. It just felt so cool. Yeah, it was awesome. And so that is my. That was my, like, what's the word?
0: Impetus. Sure. For getting going.
1: Yes. And it was so, it was, so that's been really fun. That, that part was just so cool. And then, um, I mean, I think that that's one reason why I like to be a printmaker. I like to make more than just one thing because I like to be able to share the work as many times as I possibly can. Yeah. You know, even when I'm jumping ahead here and kind of, you know, all over the place, but even with my prints, I, um, I, I keep a lot of my prints open edition which means that they're they're signed and then they're dated but they're not necessarily numbered so I can continue to sell them I can just reprint them and sell them right um in theory when it comes to like a like a like a printer the value is really in like the numbering system but I kind of you know, I'm I'm okay with selling more than just one batch of of prints. Along as, as long as I think that they're good and other people will like them, I'm going to continue to sell more and more of that. So the multiple thing, I really, I really love that.
0: So when you graduated from high school, did, where did you go to college?
1: When I graduated from high school, after that I went to the University of Minnesota. Okay. I got into Mcad and I got into CVA. Oh, poor CVA, um, College of Visual Arts. I know, They're, they're it's yeah, sad. They they're, were in St. Paul. Right. Right. Um so the thing about um Mcad was I just felt that um it was just really for me at the time it was really expensive. It is expensive, yeah. And I got a scholarship on merit and I was able to go there but even with that I was sort of forward thinking in the fact that I just I how am I going to pay back all these student loans? How am I going to make a career as an artist? And I was trying to even think about this even at like 18, 19 years old. You about, were. That's impressive. Well, you know, to, to a to a certain extent. There was also some parental influence too, you mm-hmm. know, as to like, this is how much money we're going to give you to go to school. The rest, you got to figure it out. Yep. And But you
0: knew then that you wanted to make money with your art. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So it was like a... a- I guess, a skill, a passion, something that was coming from within you.
1: That's, and that's how I still am. I mean, I, again, I, like when we even just first started talking, I was like, I need to have a reason to make what I make. And so I'm always thinking about this, this, um, I kind of coined this little term for myself called hangability. Yep. So what that means is, at least what it means to me, I'm making up the name, uh, word is that, um, my biggest, um, what makes me the most proud and the most happy is when people like the work so much that they buy the work they take it home with them they frame it which oftentimes costs more than the artwork yep. and then they hang it in their house and for me in my house when we put up artwork in our house we do not take it down it just stays there it's been there it, we don't really move it we look at it every day and it's something that's in our lives and that's that if somebody if the hangability part comes in with that's going to if someone purchases something and they like it so much, it's going to stay with them for years and years and years and become part of their life. Uh, you know, like, that makes yeah. me cry because, like, that's so special to me. So, oh. anyway, that's...
0: I can tell you, I was just at, um, we were talking about our mutual friend, and I was mm-hmm. at her house the, a couple weekends ago. She had a dinner party. And I looked, and she had uh, your hottish girl, <laughs> who's kind of a famous, iconic image. Right. Yeah. She had that hanging in her kitchen. Mm-hmm. That print is in a lot of kitchens. Right. Um, when you did that, did you know it would be as iconic as it has become for Minnesota?
1: I guess I didn't really. I wasn't really forward thinking that much about that particular image. I thought it would be fun and cute. Yeah, we made it for. And when I say we, it's me. I just always say we. I fine. Just trying to make myself seem a little bit bigger, and, you know,
0: like you've got minions. Yo, know, I just had
1: this whole army like Warhol of just building all my stuff for me. But no, it's it's me, um, and my assistant. Uh, but, um, hot dish, you know, it started as, what did it start as? I think it started as a print and then we turned it into an apron and then I actually just handed you a set of playing cards yes. that are, that have hot dish on them now. And then because that particular piece ended up doing so well in the beginning as a print and an apron, for example, um, I made the you Betcha print and I made the ufta print and, uh. You know, just trying to have some fun with, sure. You know, the, the, our culture, you know, here in Minnesota, and like what what that means, and just just poking a little bit of fun at it. I think you know that's just something I like to do in some of my work.
0: So when you you you're out on your own now, you finished college, mm-hmm. and you were making all of your money, I think, doing your own commissions and doing your own work. People weren't hiring you at. at you at that point to do work were they?
1: So the story goes that I graduated from college from the U- University of Minnesota. We never really finished that, did I? I, I kind of <laughs> went it's all. Sorry, right, I'm way. here. Yeah, keep yeah, you on well, track. <laughs> yeah, it's not linear here at all. Here in this part, in number forty. Um, <laughs> so so uh, I graduated from the University of Minnesota in, in with a degree in design communication, which they now call graphic design. Thankfully, a little bit more easy to understand. Um, out of Right out of school, I was hired as an intern as an interactive graphic designer. That is really, like interactive graphic design is really not my forte. Um, I just, I really wanted a job. And there was a job re- readily available and, in, and a paid internship, which yeah. is super cool. And uh, I was doing that kind of work. Um, and I, I, um, I was at that job. At that interactive design job for a few months, and then I went to another job for another few months, and then I was at another graphic design agency for a year and got laid off. So I jumped around a lot in my first few years. And what I realized was what got me some of those jobs out of school was the fact that I had illustration in my book. Yep. And when I was moving around to these jobs, I noticed that what was now in my portfolio was just a lot of stock photography, and it was just sort of like any any designer in theory could do this mm-hmm. work, and it doesn't make me special anymore. Then, flash forward, I was working at like that year, the year job I was talking about that I got laid off at. That was Larson Design and Interactive. Okay. And I was hired there as an interactive graphic designer, but I ended up doing some work over there, and I, a woman that I that that I've always just um. You know, I've I've always really liked her, and she was a, a VP at the company, and I and she and I are still friends. Um, she's she saw me drawing a storyboard for a commercial that Larson was doing at the time, and she said, "Why? You can draw, like, why are you not in the Illustrator?" And I'm like, "I don't know, because the money's in graphic design, interactive graphic designers." And, and she said, "You know, you might you might want to try um, doing some illustration work." And I'm like, "You know, that was just." kind of a kick in the pants to I don't have as much as many illos in my book. Let's kind of work on this and 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 see where I can take the illustration from there on out. Got laid off from Larson. Um, this is all back in like the dot com bust sure. and you know um, 9-11 happened and all this stuff. And then I was laid off for a few months and then I got a job working at the University of Minnesota and uh, as an in house graphic designer. And I worked there for twelve years. But during that time I met up with a poster collective called Squad Nineteen, and it was just a really good excuse to start drawing again. And I met a guy named Dave Witt. He does all the zombie pub crawl stuff. if yep, you know that. that I do. Guy. Dave has just been a—he's just been a good friend and um and and a real inspiration to me as far as like just draw, just get out there and make some stuff. Um. And then uh, at my day job, we also. Uh, the, the College of Continuing Education at the University of Minnesota, that's where I worked in that in that department. Through the University of Minnesota, or through um, College of Continuing Education, Radio K is broadcast out of yep. that college. So I had the opportunity to do basically free work through Radio K-sponsored shows around town. So a lot of the work that you would see up in the clubs back in like 2004, 5, 6... 789 were, you know, work that um I was all just doing for free a lot of it through sure. Radio K. And so I feel
0: like did you work on the logo?
1: Radio K's logo? Yeah. I I worked on a couple iterations of it, yes.
0: Cuz as I think back now Not the
1: original, which in my opinion is the best one. That's why I, that's in the 93 one is the one that I new but I got the opportunity to redo them yeah, yeah
0: I can recall some shirts that I think right. perhaps you may have done now that I think about it so there's
1: one with like a broken bass on it bass guitar it's just
0: in my mind
1: that's that's the that's the same bass that's being smashed on the uh, cover of um um the clashes album all right yeah so that's that's <laughs> And so I, 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 t- I found a picture of that, and I was like, I'm going to put that on Radio K's thing. Because, you know, I'm I'm all into rock and roll and punk rock, and yep. like, that's the kind of music Did you I do,
0: do music posters?
1: Yeah, I did a lot of gig poster work. And so I, we would do, you know, with the collective of Squad 19 and then also working with Radio K, I would do work that would um, be hung up. Basically, it's like a lot of flyer work and sure. also screen printed posters that people would basically steal out of the clubs. Those would hang in First Avenue, Triple Rock, Turf Club, you know.
0: And you were how clubs. old at this time?
1: Hmm. What was I? Between twenty four, twenty-five and So you're getting 30. free tickets
0: to shows, your artwork is being hung up and stolen, which is like the ultimate. <laughs> yeah. And were you feeling pretty cool, right, about that? It was it was kind of it was a little bit rock starry. Sure. Um it
1: was kind of fun because, you know, we with with the gig poster work you also have to get permission to to make the gig posters. Sometimes you could get permission from the band to actually sell the work at the show. So you got to meet the band and you got to go behind the merch table and sell some yep. of the work. Since since then I've kind of got another opinion about that because I'm just the bands are making their money off of merchandise at the show and here I am selling my work right next to them even with their permission but I'm like, you know, I kind of I don't know. I'm going to let them take the, take their money cuz like that's the reason why I'm here. So yep. anyway, I've kind of stopped doing that but um even just in that moment in that in that kind of lifestyle it's it was it was fun. who was it the was coolest cool. person you met as a band
0: yeah uh, that you were just like geeking out
1: well <laughs> it's like like I said I listen to like a lot of punk rock and like sure. dirty punk rock and uh, just stuff like that. I don't know I one of my favorite posters that I ever got to do um is a poster for the band called the Queers. okay, so I got to meet Joe Queer. That was fun. <laughs> You know. I think
0: I know a little bit about punk rock, and I don't know about the queers. The queers so you got the, me there. The,
1: the queers—they're—they're just a lot of fun. Actually, I just recently went out to a uh, show in Chicago to go see a, another favorite band of mine, screeching Weasel, and uh, Masked Intruder. Yeah, these <laughs> are know, not we, bands yeah, I know. Yeah. So you're in
0: a—you're in a unique little club there. Yeah,
1: I'd, I'd have fun. But also, what's really cool is like I got to do some work with um, um, the Excel Energy Center. And so the Excel would commission my, you know, me is is doing a um, gig posters as thank you gifts for the bigger bands that came into Let's town. Let's talk about that because
0: right. when a big show comes into town, yep. the Excel Joya and those folks will put together a gift pack of Minnesota things. Right. And so you were a part of that. That's pretty neat.
1: That started back. I Jora would have to tell. Actually, I started with a woman named um, Kathy O'Connor, and that was back in like uh, 2008 or nine. That was a while ago. So I the first band I ever got to do a, a thank you gig poster for a big band was A C D C. That's pretty That neat. was kick ass. Um and they've kind of changed the program a little bit about how like what you what you get in return for doing a gig poster. But yeah I've been able to do work for um Elton John and Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen, um You know, James Taylor.
0: How uh, long, like, if you're going to get a gig poster like that, how long does it take you to put that together?
1: Depends on schedule. I mean, it just depends on, like, what else is going on. Right now I'm actually doing one f- um my favorite band ever is Iron Maiden, okay, and Iron Maiden's coming to town in in June. that's gonna so, be some cool art, so that one I'm just like I'm just doing it, and that's all there is to it and I'm gonna do it, and then I'm bringing as many people as I can get tickets for, and we're gonna go and have a good time and That'll i'm even be I'm even bringing one of my daughters too who's like she's into it, she wants to go just to you know hang out and have a good time um but you know as to answer your question about timing i mean um I like to book out a, at least a couple of months in advance just because the schedule is so, you know, like re- recently for me, the schedule has just been so hectic to just, you know, we, I get asked to do a lot of work and I like to say yes. And it's hard to turn certain work down. But also the kind of work that I'm doing now is a little bit, it, it's a little bit more involved. I mean, it's it's not necessarily just doing like a gig poster, for example, that's got like a hard deadline. You just gotta got to get it done. Work I'm doing now is a little bit more campaign driven um or we're getting ready for shows that are coming up so mm-hmm. you know I'm trying to schedule a little bit more like it's kind of like you know how a clothing line might be getting ready for their spring collection you know a year and a half in mm-hmm. advance something like that
0: and you're going out you're going to make your shows and you're selling your prints and your shirts and right. is that where is the most money for you these days is it in selling your own items at shows like that or is it in the commissions
1: the um, last year was a really good year and, um, last year it was the mural work. And let's so, talk about that. How right. did that
0: get started? Was the butcher and the boar the first mural you did? Um, so how much time do we have? Yeah, keep going. <laughs> so, it's so, fascinating.
1: Yeah, the, um, the, the way that the mural work really started, well, the, the, the long, long story is, um, I, I work with a guy, um, Okay. So I work with this guy named Chank Diesel. Yes. And Chank does fonts. Correct.
0: He's amazing. And I I need to interview him too.
1: He's a good guy. Yeah. And Chank's awesome. And um, I knew I've known Chank for years and years and years and years, but I've just sort of peripherally known him and you know, just as a designer. Anyway, um, got to know him a little bit better over the last, in in like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. And I asked him, I basically just cold called emailed him and I was like, I want to put the font together. For my gig posters, because I'm realizing that I have so much typography, I have to draw by hand. And I would love it if you would make a font that has what we call contextual alternates in it, which basically means that like, when you type it out, it kind of looks like more like handwriting. Yeah. So like, if you put two O's together, they look different, or two N's, they look different. Okay. So anyway, he can program that for me. So I drew everything, and then um, this is a really long way to tell this it's story. Okay. Anyway, so Chank... Um, Chank basically had a wall at Creative Lighting, and he was like, you know, let's paint it. And I was like, cool, let's do it. And so he got all the paint, got the scaffolding. I had a free weekend, which is very rare for me. Um, My wife took off to go back, uh, you know, home with, with her folks and the kids. So I was like, I'm on, let's do this. So I basically painted a wall on the side of Creative Lighting flash forward <clears throat> i meet a, a an artist that i've known and loved for a long time and that's Josh the artist uh, Josh Lemke and now he's Josh the brewer he he's a brewer at surly now but Josh really wanted Josh and i really wanted to work together so i'd also known omar at surly sure. back from 2007 where i cold called him for beer but that's a whole other story <laughs> and uh, and he went for it but anyway so Josh and i Basically pitched Omar to paint a mural on top of his old tap room in Brooklyn Center. Uh Uh-huh. Then Omar actually went for it. We painted this thing and then the Did he
0: pay you in beer?
1: Uh, sort of. Okay. (laughs) It was, it was, (laughs) and honestly, it was a free, it was a pro bono job. He, you know, Omar was kind enough to give us a little, "Mm -mm," you know, um, kind of, but, uh, it was, it was one of those things where I just really wanted to learn a little bit more aerosol work. And I wanted to learn from Josh, who I just think is kind of next level work, um, like how to do that. And, but I'm, I'm a brush and roller guy. All right. Where in the hell was I? So, um, so that was your first mural the Creative
0: creative lighting. Creative
1: lighting. And then it went to Surly's Tap Room, which is now covered. You can't see it. That's a whole other story. And then the owner for Butcher and the Boar went in to meet Omar at his Brooklyn Center location. And um, uh, rest in peace, Tim Rooney from Butcher and the Boar. He was a great guy. Yeah. can't talk about it. So anyway, (laughs) I love Tim. So... um, uh, Tim went into to Surly to ask them about getting beer into his what would be his new restaurant, and then he noticed Tim noticed the the mural that was up on top of the tap room. Who did that? And then Omar gave Tim my name, and then. I get to do a painting on the side of Butcher and the Boar.
0: I work How in the awesome building right that? next to that. Oh. So I look at that every single day. And, and hopefully you like lovely. it. <laughs> it's I think it's amazing. Thank
1: you. And what's great about that mural and great is is really the location. I mean the location is right on a major bus it's line so through visible. downtown Minneapolis. Yeah. It's right there in front of you. You see it, it's brightly colored. Um, we had a lot of fun with it. We did have to get city council approval and we also had to get approval through LUNS because those were the, you know, it was a historical district since yep. the city council. And then, um, LUNS also had to approve it because they're looking at it all day long. And, uh, so anyway, it's just that, that has really been, again, it's kind of like when I did that t-shirt in ninth grade, it's like, that's the catalyst for a lot of the other mural jobs that I've, that I get is because it all happens. It's really all about your network. And also Um, the Butcher and the boar one, they were also kind enough to let me put my URL up on there too. So people can find me pretty easily and, you know, we can do some work together.
0: In your existing life as it is today, Mm -hmm. you have a couple of kids, right? Mm -hmm. And you're working. Are there mediums that you haven't conquered yet or things that you like you've talked about an evolution about how your work has changed the mediums have changed mm-hmm. is there something that you're like oh i'd really like to do something like that
1: oh, that is a really great question and i think a question i really have not thought about a whole lot i mean well, you've i have been
0: busy you just finished that crow mural that you did Oh,
1: the radisson red that was really fun too
0: how that that is a really beautiful piece thank you and i worked um, I had a building on the West River Road, mm. and every year the crows come. Yeah, yeah The yeah. murder of crows come. Right. It's the weirdest, craziest thing that But happens. you have to be
1: deep local yeah. to know that phenomenon.
0: And that's what I, when I saw that mural, right. I knew right away what that was. Cool. I knew, like, did you live there? Had you worked there? How did you know? Because for a while, we just thought, I mean, we were, like, we would be the only ones who would know. But mm-hmm. we videotaped. We It was just our employees would be like, oh, God, every year it was about a five-day period of time. Right? Do you live over there? Or how did okay. you know about the murder <laughs> well, of crows that happens over in Northeast along the river?
1: A couple of things. Um, From my old day job working at the University of Minnesota, mm-hmm. and I live in St. Louis Park, I had to travel all the way across town, which if you... If you work in one location and go to the other location all the way across, and you know what that commute sucks. Yep. Right? So anyway, I would always enter uh, the highway from 394 in downtown Minneapolis, 394 to 100 to get back to St. Louis Park. And always entering on 394, during a certain time in the fall, you could see all these crazy crows. And I just remember being in awe. Like, this is so awesome. And then go to meet with the people over at Carlson along with Art Art Force. And then the the main client at Carlson is like, and who owns the Radisson Red? That's where I'm going with this. He's like, you know what I think would be really cool for this new millennial hotel that we're doing is Crows. And I was like, okay. And then he starts describing what we are talking about right now with the Crow phenomenon. And I'm like, Oh hell yeah! I know all about that. Like that, I love that. And and also, I would always see the crows flying around the basilica. Yep. So it just like so it looks super gothic, and it also is happening in the fall when the 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 sunsets the are coming light. in. Yeah. Oh my god, with that orange and blue light. Yep. And then the crows. And then you're hoping that your car doesn't get completely pooped on. And it's just awesome. Like, it's just, it's so... I had a few it's awnings so metal. replaced. <laughs> <Or something. laughs>
0: what I love about that is you just described that you said, like, you need context. Mm, so yeah. someone gave right. you the context right. and you were able to work it out through that. Let's rock it. Yeah, yeah. That's like, pretty neat.
1: Give me some. Give me something to throw a dart at so I can aim it so it doesn't just hit you in the eyeball. It needs, you know what I mean? Like, I need to, like, hit some sort of a target. And that's how I do my process too. I mean, I don't do a whole lot of sketches. It's basically one sketch, and then we get revisions based on that sketch. But before it gets before it's just that single sketch, I want to have a discussion with the client and and know like what are they thinking, what are they, you know?
0: Have you ever like been sitting with a client and you get your plan going, and you're bringing your sketch in, and they hate it?
1: Not, I guess, hate is a strong word, but where they're not just feeling like, oh, it, yeah, this is and,
0: not, yeah. And then what do you do? Do you revise it?
1: It depends. Um, Have you walked
0: away from anything where you haven't really kind of come to an agreement and just like, hey, this isn't going to work for me? mm,
1: Because
0: you're an artist. It's not like you can just manufacture crap.
1: Yeah, but I'm I'm trained as a graphic designer. So I'm always thinking about like if you're going to spend X amount of dollars on something – it's your project. I mean, like, I want to make this for you. You need to be happy with it. If you're not, ha- and also, I have a contract and I have a down payment. And in the contract, it's pretty, you know, yeah. straightforward as to like what you're gonna get from me. And there's a lot of open communication. Just today, literally, an an hour before I started my bike ride to come over here, I'm working with a, a brewery in Canada, and. We're doing these labels, these new labels for this kind of like special can design that they have. I'm an example guy, so I always have to give examples of what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's fine. So there's this like, there's this like kind of graphic, there's this infographic that's on the side of this label. And I thought we were all final. Send all the final files out. I'm ready to go. I'm like, how do you want me to invoice you? (laughs) You know, we're like, we're done. And then he's like, he gets back to me. And by the way, I love this client, so I can I can talk about this, sure. and and Matt, the, my client, he would laugh, but um, so I basically second guessed what I had. It's like he he contacted me and he was like, we I think we've got a couple of changes that we want to make to this final thing. Sorry, but you know, don't hate me, but I think we're going to change some stuff. And I was like, okay, you know, and I'm and then I got into it, and then I realized that. What the changes that he was wanting to make and even how I was hesitant to make them at first, I believe we're going to get a better product out of the end, you know, as an end result. Yeah. And I really try to think about it that way. I've listened to another podcast where this the host used to be a designer and when he would get feedback like that, it would just make him, he'd just get so pissed and he'd get so upset. Seth? No, this is, okay. this is a guy. <laughs>
0: there's a guy. There's a podcast. Do you want podcast. me to name the podcast? Yeah.
1: All right. It's called Adventures in Design. It's a guy named Mark Breakey. And, um, you know, love Mark, and I love his philosophy on a lot of the stuff that he does, and he's just a character in and of himself. But anyway, so he he said that when he gets a client feedback that he's just like, that sounds like shit. I don't want to do that. Then what <laughs> what he does is he basically says... I need to get off the phone with you if he's on the phone or if he gets an email, he's just like, I have to go and do something different for a half an hour. I can't do this right now. Yep. And that's such a good philosophy of just like Take a breath. Take a breath. Count to ten. In
0: life, that's a good philosophy. Get, it
1: it really is. And and like even when I'm talking about like art art and design and stuff, I I really feel like um what I do for a living is just kind of how I try to live my life. But just take a break. Try and see it from another person's perspective. Just try. Just give it a shot. And oftentimes, it's worked out really well for me. Have I ever had to move away from a project? That was your initial question. I'm not. I'm not recalling anything right now. Let's talk about which is your, good. Let's talk about
0: your tattoos a minute. Okay. So we're talking to <laughs> muralist. Is that muralist, illustrator, graphic designer, Adam Turman? So you have very colorful highly designed, beautiful tattoos on your arms. You have two sleeves. Did you design them and then someone made them for you? Or how is that having someone else's art on your body? It's a weird question, but I'm yep. very curious about the answer.
1: Yeah. Um, I didn't start getting tattoos until I was about almost 30 years old. So I, and I was like, I'm never going to get tattoos when I was younger. I was like, no, 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 no. Um, I always thought they were just a really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am. I got my, you know, half my back is tattooed too. Um I work with a shop um called uh, Uptown Tattoo. Sure. So they're on Lindell Ave and um and um mo- a lot of my work is done with a guy named Nick Grady over there. And really, you know, what I what the philosophy that I came up with or that I try to do and I've also heard from the ted- the guys who work on me is um think of an idea and then think about it for what you consider to be a long time that could be a month that could be six months it could be a year think about it is that something now do you still like it after a year or whatever time you give yourself and and you know i'm in most cases yes for me um i started with my kids birthdays so i've got um my oldest daughter ada's birthday over here and then my youngest daughter uh, i just have to say her birthday because it's so cool it's 6606 which oh, is like so, that is cool so cool Um, and Iron Maiden being my favorite band, so, you know, I mean, hello, so it's pretty cool. Anyway, so, uh, I started with those tattoos and then it just kind of got addictive and I just kind of kept going. And then I started making, designing uh, designing work that would go on my body that are things that I think, that I've always loved as a kid. So on my back, I have a big eagle. And I remember as when I was uh, five and I went to kindergarten, I had this kick-ass, um, Uh, satin jacket with an embroidered eagle on the back i wish i had it in my size right now because it's so cool (laughs) but um but I, i tattooed the the eagle on my back basically a variation of um so what i do when i go to uh the shop and i would suggest this for for anybody going to get a tattoo would be just like you do in a design project you know or like a for me like a illustration project Give your artist as much info as you possibly can. Give them direction. Give them yeah. give them um, you know examples. Um, I have people ask me for can can I can you design a tattoo for me? And I said I'm kind of out of that right now because I don't want to charge you, and then you're going to go to your artist and charge them. You want your artist to be fired up about what they're going to do. So I draw like I kind of take like a not not a rough idea, but a pretty pretty darn good idea of like what I'm thinking and where I think placement could be. And then I basically take it to them and I just say, "All right, this is what I'm thinking. Go for it."
0: So you're the client. I'm the client. Yep.
1: And it's also like I'm not a very good client, you know, because I, <laughs> I, I like I feel like I'm the worst client. Um, and I have I have clients that I work with who are just I don't know how they do it, but they're spectacular. Like they just do such a good job. They're like really decisive. They know exactly what they're thinking in their head. They know I'm gonna do my like termin thing to it or sure. whatever, but. They're, they just end up being so. I don't know how
0: they have an idea I in their know.
1: mind. I, I'm just a little poopy pants when it comes to being a good client. I can't do it.
0: What does um, a mural like <clears throat> just average in cost from a range of like the low end to the high end? And I'm sure it's based on size and mm-hmm. conditions and everything else. But
1: uh, that's a loaded question, um, and also just like pricing art is a really loaded question. That's a tough one because um, it's really in like what it's really in like value like what what a client deems as being valuable breakdown for mural for me is i'm not going to give you exact numbers That's but fine. it's basically there's a sketch fee there's a square footage fee the square footage fee also depends on if it's an easy to paint on surface yeah remember i'm brushing rollers so i'm not doing aerosol so i'm not going to do like corrugated metal or something like that because sure. it's just too hard to paint on that um versus like cinder block or brick you know, which is a textured surface and or it has like conduit all over it or yep. it's just a mess. Um, and then there's a supply and equipment fee too. Okay. So I use, um right now I'm using primarily Benjamin Moore Aura paint, which is like really, really good um, commercial grade uh, house paint, mm-hmm. basically. Interior or exterior, the reason I use it, it comes in quartz and you can get it in any color that you want to and you have that pre-mixed. I... Whenever I attack a wall, I always think of it as like I, I do a grid work system. So like I make like a one one inch equals one foot or like eighteen inch grid.
0: Yeah, I thought you yeah. I do a
1: grid system. I don't do the projector thing because um that can distort the overall image. And when I draw, and we'll get into that in a minute, but when I draw, I draw to proportion of what the actual wall is. So I measure the wall and I make sure that everything is going to be exact. So when I'm sending out sketches to clients, and they're looking at it. A lot of clients, this is they've never done this before and this is scary and this is a big deal and they want it to look like it's gonna look. So I always try to make my sketches look exactly like they're gonna actually look on mm-hmm. the final wall. So I try to you know, my process I try to get the wall get up basically in a way that's really accurate. And then um and then it's basically paint by number. You just select the colors. I already select the colors ahead of time and I work digitally primarily drawing and then I select all those colors and then I send that to my my paint guys and then I also send it to myself and my client so that we all have the paint list so if anything happens we can just reorder paint they all, the client also gets to keep the leftover paint just in case there's any dings that might yeah. they might need to touch it up um when but, you, you
0: know. when you do a mural right like the um maybe we'll use one that I don't um you do a mural let's say you do the crow Do they then own that art, or do you own that art that's on the side of their building? How does that work?
1: Well, in my mind, they own, I mean, they own that that work. It's not really being removed, though.
0: But, like, if you wanted to make a shirt with that same art, or a playing card, or something like that, would that be their art, or your art, or... That's part of the contract. Okay. And I would assume you own everything.
1: So... That's that's there's a there's a weird gray area in that. And that's part of what contracts are for. So in theory, if you are commissioned to do a piece of artwork, the person who is commissioning you owns that artwork. Which is kinda weird. Because, a
0: little bit because you have such a stylized right. way of doing something. But I made it, you know, like yes. it's mine
1: and why is that yours? And you know, so what I do is I basically we have we have I have an illustration rate and then I also have a buyout rate. So yeah. you can choose to buy it out if you want to. Most clients, you know, um, may not have a budget to be able to buy it out and that's fine. There's other clients like, um, you know, Radisson Red, they they did buy it out. And then also um, uh, like Children's Hospital, for example, have yeah. done some work with those guys. They just want to own it because they want to make sure that nobody else is ever going to get yeah. that art. The fact is, is that. I feel like I'm a pretty ethical guy, so I'm not gonna go and I'm not gonna sell that art to any other client anyway. I have a really hard time with not customizing every single thing that I do. I, it, when it comes to something that I did for myself, and and somebody wants to purchase and you, you know um, have some sort of usage for that artwork, I'm happy to do that. But you know, I'm also happy to customize something even from like its initial state. So with Radisson Red, for example, I did that that um the mural and i did a sketch and what i worked off of was basically like a revised kind of finalized sketch not like final art like vendor ready art for like to be printed on like a poster or like a you know t-shirt or whatever but a sketch and then with the contract came another clause another line item basically another cost to take that sketched art and then make it into a final Vector ready art that they could actually take and then use on whatever they wanted to. Yeah,
0: you're so smart. How did well, you? Did was trial it trial and error yeah. to figure out how? Because these are a lot of complicated questions right. that
1: nobody teaches us this stuff.
0: No, they don't.
1: And every artist does and that's it differently. Why you're an entrepreneur. I, you know, I'm, I, I actually, um, I, on one of your last podcasts, you're you're talking about the entrepreneurial part of it. I'm trying to get better at that. That's not what I went to school for. That's not how my brain thinks. My brain wants to make pretty things for people to solve their problems. That's that's what I want to communicate. I want to I want to solve a communication problem. That's the graphic designer in me. So when it comes to like business and being able to figure that out I'm really relying on other people that I know and just asking a lot of questions.
0: But that's a really smart entrepreneurial thing to do. Right. One of the reasons why I was not a good entrepreneur (laughs) in our really in my business partner, there were three of us Mm -hmm. and my other two partners were much smarter than me. And I was always like covert about information, you know, like I didn't want to tell people things. And I was like, oh, if we tell them that's our secret sauce. And Mm -hmm. one of my partners said, there is no secret sauce. Everybody's thought of it before you. And if you don't ask questions and have a network of people that you trust and you talk to, and they're not going to give you information unless you share some of yours, he right, right. was like you are going to constantly be making useless mistakes.
1: Completely. I could not agree with that more. And so in 2016, my goal in 2016, and I, I kind of got busy, so I didn't really totally complete my goal, but my goal was to meet other artists doing what I'm doing and doing it successfully. So... I'm I'm trying. I'm have trying. Have you been traveling some? Uh to meet other artists yeah. or, um not really traveling. It's really really more local Minnesota. Okay. So, you know, one of the artists that I was able to meet, um it just kind of on a whim, it was crazy was uh, uh Michael mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And, and he's, if, if you haven't interviewed him, you should. He's a I good haven't guy. interviewed
0: him and I have um a number of his pictures in my office actually. Right. He's
1: he's all over the place too. But Michael is He's a really his his story is really interesting and I I've just really enjoyed meeting him. The other thing too is like we're basically doing very similar stuff. Yes. Let's let's be honest here. But I don't view him and I I I'm going to speak for him I guess, but I don't think he views me as being competition I either. I would say no. We have a different enough style that it's not, you know, we're not like fighting for the same jobs or anything. Right. But it's just really interesting how you know, how how open he is about just talking about work like he's merchandising like,
0: he's done a good job of it
1: right and like shit happens on particular projects what happened what what could i do so like that like what can i learn from your mistakes and yep. vice versa you know like i'm i'm happy to tell people there's another artist recently who wanted to do he's doing some mural work and he wants to know how to price it and um he actually found some uh some blogs and some like kind of general you know, pricing guidelines and he fired that off to me and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, and, and thankfully, like I was right in that range of like what yep. of the range that he was talking about. But, you know, he was asking me questions question about how do you get the work up there? What do you what do you what kind of materials do you use? Like what's going on? And, you know, I really don't have a big problem talking about. You know, basically trying to raise everybody up. And I, mean, I think it
0: does. The idea that you could put work that you've done and the caliber that you've done on a side of a building right, does raise everybody up. And that's the world you want to live in, where I think, I'm speaking for myself, but, you know, none of us are doing something that's so uniquely ourselves. Right. We're all a part of a community and a group of people that are meant to help each other, mm-hmm. right? We're not meant to be solitary creatures. We're meant to communicate yeah. and commune and partner and be with others
1: what I've always thought is that how cool would it be if we could all just charge the same amount of money and it really wasn't based on you know what the budget is for a certain client it was really based more on style like we all have different style a lot of the friend like also when I was doing the poster collective thing the squad 19 thing I was talking about you know we all work together I mean you know and it was a lot of it was pro bono. We really weren't getting paid for this. So it was like no skin off our, you know, no, no big deal. Yeah. But, um, you know, if, but we all had a different style. So how can we, you know, it's just, I, I just find that that's an, that might be an interesting way to do it. If we weren't also scared to talk about money all the time, but yeah, here I am kind of keeping stuff back too. No, but, it's okay. I know. get
0: it. Have you talked to the chalkboard guy? There's a local guy that's doing a bunch of chalkboard. Is that work. Jeff
1: Nelson? Maybe. Yeah. Ch- chalkboard murals. Yeah. And, um, his work is amazing if we're talking about Jeff Nelson. And uh, but there's there's tons of other artists who are doing uh, work like that as well. And um,
0: And how about the guy at Butcher and Boer, the penny oh, um, floor, and then there's yeah. the guy that is at Freehouse that there's the penny portrait. hmm You know, that's all cool murals so cool too when you think about there's it. There's
1: tons of great work around town. I mean, Minneapolis has such a cool scene and that's again that's why i'm trying to tap into different artists doing really cool stuff and just like what is their story like where 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 are they you know in their career yeah and then how far are they pushing it um you know i'm trying to i'm trying to push um like kind of a new merchandise line now you know Mm -hmm. i'm trying to get out and from doing just the prints because i know that everybody only has so much wall space. You only have like the hot dish in your kitchen and you might not have, you might have some windows in there and refrigerator. You don't have a whole lot of room. So like what, you know, maybe, maybe wearing, wearing art or, um, having a pint glass that has art on it or, you know, basically art is a lifestyle. And I think that there's some other companies around town who are doing some really, a really good job of doing that type of work too. So I'm trying to get more into where, what, what's next? Like where, where can I start applying my work to? And, um, you know, just different outlets.
0: I love that idea, Adam Turman. You've been a real pleasure to talk to. It's been super fun. Thank you, um, thank you for thank you me. for spending time with me, and I will look forward to seeing you at my next makers festival. What's your next event coming up? Do you? It's know?
1: our garage art sale. When is that? Okay, so that's June tenth. Okay. It's uh, early, so get there early. Um, it's eight a.m. to two p.m. It's going to be at Steel Toe Brewery in Saint.
0: I was going to say, is it really at your house? No. Well, we used to
1: <laughs> we used to do it at the house, and it kind of got out of control. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank
0: you.